Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is officially Shula Bowl week. Long awaited, eagerly anticipated. The 2020 Shula Bowl looks as if it'll take place. Knock on wood, cross your fingers. Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. As always, we are brought to you by the fine folks at Five Reason Sports. You can find Five Reason Sports on Twitter at the number Five Reason Sports. Find us on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. I am Eric Henry, FIU beat writer for SB Nation, joined as always, and we're talking all things Owls, by FAU recruiting insider, FAU recruiting guru, if I may say so, and everything for the FAU Owls Nest, Shane Marinelli. Before I toss to Shane, want to, uh, on behalf of both Shane and I, I'm sure Shane will, will touch on this as well when he uh, jumps in here, want to send our thoughts out to our, our buddy David. He's dealing with um, you know, some personal stuff. Uh, definitely want to send uh, his thoughts and, and uh, our thoughts and, and condolences out to him dealing with the loss in the family. So he will be with us at his um at his uh, at his convenience as far as this week, a Chula Bowl week. We know he'd give anything to be here right now. So um he'll be with us later on the week. I'm sure uh, uh, when he gets his schedule worked out, uh he'll he'll pop on at least for um a preview or a recap. But uh Shane, um you were at the game yesterday. First of all, I'll let you take it away with your thoughts and um, you know, go from there. Yeah, I just first I want to echo, you know, the condolences uh, to our good friend David. Um, you know, it's 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 been a tough year for everyone, but you know, sometimes you know, it, it certain things you know hit even closer, so it gives you some perspective on things. Um, but yeah, you know, um, as I said, the leverage hurts a little awkward transition here um, into some football talk. Yeah, you know, um, yesterday was not a pretty win by any means. Uh, you know, for FAU, uh, 10 to six, kind of, it was kind of a punt fest for a while. Uh, the, you know, we, we talked this a little bit briefly before. I don't want to make excuses, but it is to point out, I mean, the wind was howling in that stadium. I'm talking gusting to over 35. So it, you know, it made, uh, a couple offenses who were, haven't been extremely potent anyways. Their job's more difficult. FAU did play without Malcolm Davidson. Um, the injuries at FAU running back continue. Uh, he will, pro- he, from what Taggart said after the game, he almost played against Western Kentucky, which gives you the feeling he'll probably be ready this week. But you could tell FAU definitely missed the explosiveness of him. You know, they got BJ Emmons back for the first time since the first drive. Uh, against Charlotte and you can tell there was a little bit of rust there uh but yeah similar to um FIU now we're probably in the midst of a quarterback controversy (laughs) we will get to the offensive talk because Shane has sworn me off no QB controversy talks we will do offensive talk uh definitely can uh, include FIU in that situation as well the team that only had six first downs the last time I took the field against Jacksonville State. And as Shane mentioned, you know, I got a chance to watch this one, watch it from, you know, bell to bell, uh, open to close. And the wind was definitely gusting. I wanted Shane's opinion on that being there because, you know, anyone who watched this game at home saw even the TV cameras. I don't know if those, those were stationary cameras or being held by actual cameramen, but they were shaking all over the place. Shane, really quick, before I transition kind of, you know, my thoughts on just the offense and defense in general, the reason why I was curious as to, you know, what level the wind played there is, and maybe, you know, you're probably the perfect person to ask this because you can kind of assess um, what kind of thrower Nick Tronti and uh, Javen Posey are. 
for all things that Tyrell Pigram is not, and you can look at his numbers and know that, uh, you know, Piggy T has his deficiencies. He he has a strong enough arm that he can, you know, he can get the ball moving downfield. And, and that's in perfect conditions. And at least from being um, watching it on TV, it looked like he had enough arm to cut the wind, you know, to, to that his passes could cut through that wind. So I think that's why I was curious, Shane, from this perspective, how big of a factor the wind played. Because, I mean, you know, Piggy T's receivers didn't help him out, but he didn't have any issue getting the ball out of his hands and getting it to the guys. Uh, I think – if we had to list the reasons the pass offense wasn't that good for FAU, it would be the third. You know, it, yeah. it didn't help. Uh, the wind was kind of blowing in one direction. It, it made kicking in one direction of the stadium a little easier. Uh, the opposite end zone of FAU scoring their final touchdown in. Uh, you know, they were going against the wind that drive. Opposing only attempted one pass, which right. was pretty much the, it was the equivalent of, oh, crap. <laughs> on Madden and then you tap X and you're not even looking, you know, I'm just, it was my first pass attempt. Welcome to college football type. Oh, I, I, I did this in high school type thing. And usually there's a guy there to get it. Uh, you know, but it, it, I, the offense just fell stagnant with Posey. And I don't think it's so much Posey passing. And I can point to a couple of things. There was a particular play where they tried kind of a pop pass, to Michael Irvin Jr. that probably would have a scored or gone for 60 yards. And it's the quarterback's job to kind of hold off, look off the safety um, with the, they kind of motioned and there was like a, there was a way to hold the safety a little longer. And I thought he kind of threw it quick and the safety was right there. And if, you know, if it was, I hate using the name, but if, you know, a lot of people feel if that's Chris Robinson, that safety gets looked off for an extra half second, Michael Irvin catches it and goes 70 yards, gets tackled at the 15, FA uses tempo and hands it off to Emmons and he breaks for eight. You know, that type of thing. Uh, the biggest notability, and Eric, tell me if I'm wrong. Sure. You know, the O-line was poor under Tronti. It seemed like they weren't getting to the second level. They weren't doing a good job run blocking. And the moment that Posey got put in, everything turned around and I can accredit that. I think if you agree to just when those linebackers have to spend an extra, extra millisecond football millisecond thinking about, is he going to pull it? Is he going to hand it? It gives O lineman just that chance to get to the second level instead of them just keying in on it and saying, Oh, we're, we're just shooting the gap at Emmons. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, like I said, watched the entire game. I'll tell you a guy who, to kind of piggyback off your point, two guys who were having really good ball games up until that point, uh, Western Kentucky stars on defense, Kyle Bailey and, you know, anyone who watched that game know had the situation that looked like he was ejected right heading into halftime. That ejection got reversed and he made a heck of a play on the interception. And D'Angelo Malone, who looks like he'll be playing in the NFL on Sundays, his stat line, 11 tackles, two sacks, two TFLs coming from the sacks and three quarterback hurries. When you switch to Posey, he has to take that extra bit of time to think that extra millisecond, as you mentioned, to go, all right, is this, you know, a situation where he's going to pull it or he's going to hand it off? So yeah, absolutely agree with you there. And then as far as the offensive line, and I want to piggyback really quick transition into something you wrote, your uh, kind of your takeaways from the game. I will retweet that for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, it's on FEU Owl's Nest. But you had a quick takeaway, Shane, um, that I want you to touch on really quick. Ballot left tackle. How much of a factor do you think that played in the overall um, offensive line success or lack thereof? 
I attribute it more to D'Angelo Malone and Juwan Jones just being really good players. But, you know, I, I want to give you the chance to elaborate on that, uh, that blurb in your piece really quick. Yeah. I mean, Devin Hayes was somebody who had, who took over from Marquise Robinson was somebody who had to play in the Marshall game. And I don't know if it was contact tracing or if he had it, but from what I understand is, you know, Marquise Robinson, let, let's just state with the obvious uh, is the obvious. I don't want to sit here and be like, I'm reporting, but when sure. these guys miss games, I think it's safe enough journalistically to be like, he's had COVID issues. Okay. Um, and, you know, from everything I know, like many other players, he's had to deal with those things. So um, I think there's a few players who, you know, from what I understand, who's had to deal with those issues more, you know, some, you know, like any other thing, some people have gotten sicker off of it than others. Um, so, you know, maybe that's a factor of someone who just hasn't practiced or hasn't had a chance to get in shape. Um, Devin Hayes is someone that was, you know, definitely, he was highly recruited out of Jones high school. Um, you know, he's a redshirt sophomore, has a nice long frame and he played well. Like he held his own against Marshall, especially, you know, on short practice. So yeah, I definitely think that was a factor in the beginning. I thought they were a little bit better, but you know, again, I, I, I think, you know, we saw this, you know, kind of last year, almost when Tronti was put in at times, which is so funny because, you know, if people remember, go back to last year, FAU won, uh, kind of closed out a game against Middle Tennessee and a Malcolm Davidson long touchdown run when they were struggling running the ball when Nick Tronti was in at quarterback. They put away Western Kentucky in a game they were only up four, and they put the icing on it on a drive led by uh, Nick Tronti, who was in there to just help the team run the ball and kind of run power read option, um, you know, and, you know, put Western Kentucky away. And now it just doesn't seem like Tronti is getting respected as the running threat. And you know what, Shane, that's a really, that's i I'm glad you mentioned that because this is really a good transition into really the last point I want to touch on with you before we kind of uh, transition to FIU and the Shula Bowl. I'm going to ask you a blanket statement and I'll let you take it in any direction you want. And then maybe I'll, I'll add on afterwards. Currently as constituted, the FAU offensive formula, which right now is running the football, FAU has, you know, <laughs> I guess I'll need to talk to the uh, the author of our Underdog Dynasty running back preview because I think FAU has the deepest running back room in all the Conference USA. Uh, that's, you know, you gotta stay healthy. That they yeah, got to stay healthy. They have it. Yeah. They got to stay healthy. But they, I feel like, you know, talent wise, that's shown and proven. But is, as constituted, is this a formula for FAU? to win this week and really to kind of close out the rest of their season with wins. And just depending on, you know, the throws that need to be made seem to be getting made at times, even though I'm looking at the stat line right here, Nick Tronti <laughs> kind of regressing in a sense, seven to 16 for a buck eight. Um, and then Javen Posey had the interception. Of course, we've talked about the wind, but Shane, just blanket question. Um, I guess I'll ask it to you this way. What is your comfort level with the offense as currently constituted down the stretch? Yeah, not, that comfortable. I mean, FU's defense hasn't given up a touchdown in nine corners. Uh, so, you know, the, I, I guess that plays into my mind a little bit. You know, it's it seems like if FAU gets to 24 points the rest of the way out, they'll probably win every game. I, I mean, I feel like that's a safe assumption. You know, how they get there, I, you know, like I pointed out, the defense, 
defense could probably force some more turnovers. Uh, FAU field position was terrible yesterday. Seven of 10 drives started behind their own 25. So, you know, having to go 75 yards every single drive, you know, or more didn't help either. Uh, but they put that game away pretty much running the triple option and QB powers. So, you know, can that transition into a week where, you know, now FIU has that on film and other teams have that on film? I don't know. You know, we've seen this before. You know, that it seems like FAU fans have a really short memory of this stuff. Let's talk about the last time the Shula Bowl was played in the cage. Chris Robinson was still kind of, you know, going through an up-and-down redshirt freshman season. And, you know, he was trying to get back after a kind of a bad ankle sprain. He suffered a couple weeks earlier and came in. He struggled in the beginning of that FIU game. And FIU put in DeAndre Johnson. And DeAndre Johnson gave him the spark and started opening running lanes, completed a couple passes, and FAU won 49-14. Uh, but DeAndre Johnson wasn't able to disdain that over games. So, you know, I think Javion Posey has all the ability to do those things um, DeAndre Johnson does. I think Javion Posey might even be more athletic um, than DeAndre Johnson, which is crazy to think about. But, you know, it, it, there has to be some consistency or it, there has to be some growth off of what FAU showed yesterday. Going back to that Shula Bowl you mentioned 2018, I would make the argument that the James Morgan fumble down there on the goal line, which you know was a bit of a controversy in itself, that was a big game changer as well. I remember, UC- dear God, why am I going to say UCF? FIU had a chance to take the lead down there in the end zone, and that fumble was, uh, was taken back. So um, just bring, bring back some, some memories there. want to transition really quick into Shula Bowl week, and also before I do, uh, you mentioned field position. Got to give Matt Hayball credit because he had a hell of a game uh, yesterday. So Ooh. definitely want to definitely want to credit him as well. Um, Shane, transition to Shula Bowl week. I know you had a question for me, so let's go ahead and start with this before we go into kind of just you know overall feelings about FIU's offense, maybe how many points it'll take to win. What was your question? Okay, so both teams now are kind of in the midst of you know uh, quarterback controversies over under. Total quarterbacks that take a snap in the game, three and a half. Uh, and obviously, this doesn't account if FAU decides to pull out some wildcat formation where they just direct snap it to BJ Ammons, you know, that type of thing. True quarterbacks taking a snap in that game. I'm going to go game. over. I'm, I'm going to go over. Uh, it's funny you mention that. You know, FIU's practice schedule has been all over the place since Jacksonville State. You know, they've had the situations with the the COVID, you know, as far as uh, it affecting their team and having deficiencies in players and, and things of that nature. I'm going over. Would I personally like to see what could happen if one quarterback for FIU gets a full week of practice, whether that's Stone Norton or Max Bordenschlager, doesn't look like Kalen's going to play a huge factor. Kalen Wiggins is going to play a huge factor in the quarterback uh uh, role right now but yeah i'd love to see just you know i think it's a better way to to kind of assess what you have a quarterback for fiu but and you know i'll have a midweek call with, with butch davis on wednesday and I'll, I'll get a chance to ask him i i know he'll he'll probably give me an answer that'll be like you know hey until one guy separates themselves we'll see what happens but i would like to see one quarterback from fiu just to kind of get four quarters of, of you know some type of consistency and maybe one of the quarterbacks isn't looking over their shoulder i don't believe that will happen um, and from FAU, yeah, I, I, I don't see anything right now. Like I said, Nick Tronti appears to be 
regressing. Now, whether that's just him personally or the entire offense, that's up for discussion. If you look at the offensive numbers yesterday from FAU, Grant Malcolm Davidson wasn't there, but I think the, the rushing average is about 3.6 uh, yards per carry. So wasn't just him. We talked about the offensive line, running backs, and the quarterbacks. But, yeah, I'm going over. Uh, I, I don't have any reason to believe that we won't see multiple quarterbacks from FIU. Now, I could come back midweek and maybe hear something different. But as of taping this, I'm going to say two from FIU and two from FAU. What about you? Yeah, I definitely think so. Now, a lot of FAU fans are on the Posey train. And for the record, I've been a Posey stan. I thought, I know the last staff loved him. Uh, you know, a lot, they just, I was told if he was two inches taller, this would be a P5 kid. You know, this is a kid who led his team to the Alabama 6A semifinals. So, you know, he's playing some big time football, um, definitely competitive football. And I remember seeing Posey throw back when he was just a freshman. And this was basically 13 scout, um, you know, before the 2019 season, way back. I don't, I don't know if you remember these days where reporters were able to watch practices and scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, Posey was out there with the third team, definitely. But he was making some throws that made you look to the guy beside you and say, okay, wow, okay, this kid. He can, he can, um, he can toss the pill <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I, I think for FIU fans that don't know, Jamie, on Posey, such an athlete lane moved him to receiver last year. Right. FAU did not have the receiving depth they had this year. They were kind of really low on receivers last year. And they said, and lane theory was, well, we got Chris Robinson. We got Nick Tronti. Why have this really athletic kid, um, not be useful. Now he really wasn't useful anyways. They kind of, they kind of developed receiver depth outside of him throughout the season. And he caught one pass for a touchdown from Nick Tronti on the last drive of the Boca bowl. So, you know, it all kind of quote unquote paid off, but he missed a year of development of, you know, looking off safeties, reading coverage, getting that feel of when to, okay, I should just throw the ball out of bounds or take a sack. You know what I mean? You're talking dozens of practices over a course of a fall, even if you're running scout team or third team, you know, it's still, or just doing drills with your quarterback coach, right. Working on footwork, those type of things. So, and then he didn't have a spring. So it, it seems like he's missed a kind of a full year of development. So you just wonder, I, I get it. Tronti's had struggles and the offense has just looked stagnant at time, but in the end, Tronti's only thrown one interception maybe a couple more quote-unquote should have been dropped, but he hasn't turned it over. And Posey running around picking up some first downs doesn't equal out if he throws three interceptions and gives FIU good field position and short fields for someone like Stone Norton to build some confidence. Absolutely. So I, kind of, or go ahead, Shane. Go ahead, Shane. And I just will say, I'll say regardless of whether – he starts not there will be running packages for jv on posey this week after what he showed sure no 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 doubt absolutely i was going to pick up where you left off and kind of transition to the fiu quarterback situation as i mentioned we're taping this sunday so you know maybe i'll have a little, little bit better information when we do um we did decide we were going to do a midweek pod we want to try to give a little bit of that you know fau fiu rivalry if David is not here, we will get someone in here who can sufficiently be the FIU homer that I cannot be. Um, but uh, as far as the quarterback situation for FIU, yeah, I mean, 
it's like I said, it, it would be interesting to see what either Stone Norton or Max Bordenschlager can do with a full week of prep. You know, as, as Shane mentioned, you know, a lot of these guys didn't get spring practice. With Max Bortenschlager, you got to remember, the, the comparisons were there from the coaching staff about, oh, he kind of reminds us of James Morgan, that he's smart and, and you know, come from, a, uh, I don't want to say a bigger program because I wouldn't say Bowling Green's bigger than FIU. Maryland obviously is. But, you know, coming from a different program as a grad transfer. But Max Bortenschlager is, is a young quarterback in himself. You know, he only played in 10 games in Maryland over three seasons with eight starts. So, you know, he's not James Morgan who came in with, if my memory serves me correctly, it was 23 games played in 18 starts. So, you know, he's still a young quarterback in himself uh, in his own right. And Stone Norton, we know, you know, his background being the three-star kid out of Nashville. So you'd like to see one of these guys get prepped and just, you know, I think even even, you know, I can't tell the coaching staff what to do, but I think from my perspective, and even if you're a fan, an FIU fan watching this, you just want to see what one guy can do so you can kind of get a grasp of like, all right, this is what we have. And Stone Norton has been the, the most effective quarterback when he's had the chance to play and, you know, um, had the chance to play and have a full week of practice. The Middle Tennessee State game, Butch Davis said he didn't get a full week and, you know, we saw what happened there. So, that will be the big kind of thing there. Uh, really quick, Shane, before I toss it back to you, kind of just, you know, final thoughts or anything you want to transition as far as Shula Bowl week. Want to invite everyone, our, our listeners, you know, hey, anyone who is coming out to the Shula Bowl, um, hit us up. You know, obviously can't tailgate, but uh, Shane, you'll be out there, right? Or is that still up in the air? Still up in the air. Um, you know, uh, it, we'll see. We'll see um, if I can make it down to Sweetwater. And if FIU fans want to set me up with a ticket, maybe there'll be <laughs> some additional, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, we'll, uh, by midweek, we'll know if Shane will be out there or not. I will definitely be out there. So, you know, feel free to hit us up. You know, and we'll always want to engage with you guys. Um, Shane, so just want to send it to you. Shula Bowl week, you are the FAU alum. We'll do, you know, a little bit heavier of a podcast as far as the rivalry later on the week. But what does this week mean to you? Obviously, you know, I, I can't fill the role of David. So Shula Bowl week, what does this week mean to you before we uh, close this one out? Well, you know what? And I just take it to this respect, respect. Um, you know, obviously this is, you know, who's to kind of gardener some respect in South Florida as the better quote unquote, small school. I hate that phrase, but you know, I'm kind of doing this from the, the point of what some of the, the big three CSS, but what I, you know, always see this, any in-state Florida rival three is just a blast. There's just so many kids who played against each other in high school and, you know, and covered each other in seven on seven and know each other. It's, it's just a showcase of a lot of talent in an area. And even if it's not, you know, quote unquote, Florida state, Miami, there is still so much talent in this game, just from this area. And it's, you know, it's anytime you can put this much kid, kids from South Florida and the state on the field, it's, it's always awesome to me. Yeah. Shane. So that's a, a great thing to kind of piggyback is that, you know, you really get the, the, the chance to see a lot of that South Florida talent. I think that's huge. And it's really unique to this. It's unique to the state of Florida in the sense that with this rivalry is the only rivalry in the state that you can get South Florida talent playing against each other at that level. But with that being said, this one is going to finish up our Western Kentucky recap and our brief look into the Shula Bowl. We will do a midweek episode in which we can get some of that rivalry FAU FIU flavor. Thank you as always for listening. You can find us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Eric T. Henry underscore. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane. Find us on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. Find the podcast online at podbean.shulabowlpod.podbean.com. 
com, and you can just search us. You, know, you can find us in most podcast providers. Please feel free. Any feedback, reviews, anything, DM us. You know, leave reviews on on Podbean. That's the only way we can help this podcast grow. And this is your podcast. We're just the ones talking. So please feel free to engage with us. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. And it is happy Shula Bowl week, everybody.